You're now listening to Vibes, Moods, and Moves, a new podcast where we never stop asking the real questions and we never stop having the real conversations. Hey, and welcome to this episode of Vibes, Moods, and Moves with me, your host, Janae Jordan, and a very special guest, the one, the only. I cannot quantify him just by calling him a DJ because he is so much more than a DJ. I like to refer to this gentleman as a music archivist, as well as a chef, and just an overall amazing human being. Welcome to Vibes, Moods, and Moves for the very first time, Victor Rosado. Welcome, Victor. How you doing? I'm good. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. Just relaxing. Rainy day in Florida. Oh my gosh. You know, we haven't gotten hit here yet. I know it's coming, but um, so far, still sunshine this afternoon, and we're going to hope to get through this before the, you know, the thunder and lightning comes barreling through here on my end. So I just want to, one, say thank you for being here today on this day. I appreciate you. Um, And let's just go, let's just go for it. Um, People who've been around the scene longer than myself, uh, definitely know the name. They know the, I say legends because I, and I don't like throwing that term around at people and I say your legendary status. Um, but let's get into the real beginning for you. Now I know music was a staple in your home and growing up in New York City, music literally was everywhere. I always say in New York, we had rhythm up under our feet with the subway trains right. running below our feet and everything else. Uh, so I know your music pedigree, you know, the the, 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 the nurturing of music and you've got to have a really cool story behind it and not just from home, but to the club scene. Like where did, where was that kernel of, I love music, I consume music and I want to share music. Take me through that, if that helps. Well, um, music was being played all the time. My grandmother was a dancer, a palladium dancer. Mm. And she used to go to, uh, clubs in the village. She was very open-minded. She worked for Ralph Lauren for 40 years. Mm. So she was very open-minded. She worked with the gay community and with the transgender community for years and years. As you know, they were involved in the fashion industry. Yes. And people in the fashion industry and in uh, modeling and clothing, all that sort of work, always are connected with music. It's just part of it. And unfortunately, a lot of times... Drug use is also involved for those who uh, are looking for a certain direction. Not everyone, but music is a big part of fashion and they go together. A lot of it's because they have parties and people promote and they want clothing lines. So my grandmother was part of that whole scene and my grandfather and um, they used to play music all the time. My grandmother sang and she played the guitar. So she was always having the music on Edie Gourmet, Los Mm. Panchos. Uh, you know, Fania All-Stars, Tito Rodriguez, Tito Puente, on and on and on. She was very good friends with Celia Cruz as well. Oh, wow. She was a bohemian. She was ahead of her time. She was way ahead of her time. And uh, even through her last years, she refused to be nothing but a lady of the times. And for her age, she always tried to look impeccable fashion-wise. I love it. I love it. 
But uh, more than that, she taught me about music. She danced, so I used to watch her dance. And then on the other end, my mom uh, came from Puerto Rico, from a beach town. Mm. They used to have parties once in a while in my house. Um, but it was a different type of music too. It was like South American cumbia and mm. different Andes, sounds from the Andes. So, and also Fania All-Star Salsa. And for the Hispanics <clears throat> in the 50s and in the 60s, a lot of the major music was coming out of Mexico. Okay. A lot of Mexican artists and a lot of, you know, that sort of thing. And the Hispanic artists were striking it big because they were being uh, pushed through the country of Mexico, which backed a lot of those groups into the U.S. Mm. So my mother used to play a lot of Mexican singing and, you know, ranchero type songs, which is country, but in Mexican. Mm -hmm. And a little bit of everything. I mean, she's, it was a little bit of everything. And then growing up uh, from there, you know, the way I got into music and I got into the movement of moving towards music and clubs and that sort of sound is that it's safe to every family is dysfunctional. Agree. It's just and in saying this, a lot of times when you are different, when you're of a different fabric like myself, I always felt different. I always felt like I stood out. I was looking to learn what it was about me that was different. And I really wasn't getting that at home because, you know, my mother was busy raising five kids and she was busy trying to put food on the table and clothes. Mm -hmm. So I was seeking other places to find enjoyment and the dysfunctionality of my family wasn't abusive, but it didn't allow me to flourish the way I thought I needed to. Mm. So then that led myself to seek out answers in other places. So I found that in music, I found it on the radio, I found it in, you know, going to parties and sneaking out mm -hmm. and being places that I had no business being at that age. And this is how I came to find myself meeting people in the club scene that were my friends then that I'm still friends with 40 years later. We're still friends with some of these people. Some unfortunately have passed on, but some of them are still, you know, very well alive and I have great memories. Um, I had a hard time breaking loose from my mother's grip for how to, for how to accept me going out to the clubs and she did not accept that and she was very, very strict. Mm. She an iron fist. Yeah, but you turned, look at how you turned out. Yeah, yeah, it was certain things, but I had to go through the motions with her and it wasn't, it wasn't easy, you know, so, uh, Despite everything, you know, everything turned out okay. Um, music back then was coming in through my brothers and sisters. I was the youngest of five. So oh, they I used didn't to know that. Yeah. I think that's one of the few things we haven't talked about. I didn't know that yet. So you were the baby. The youngest of five. And yeah. uh, my older sister, she's 66 now, 67. Wow. Well, so back then in the 70s, she used to play, you know, like, Eddie Palmieri, African Twist, and all these Supremes and the Temptations and, you know, all that stuff from the 60s. And, you know, it was great. And then the 70s, my my older brother, but still younger than my older sister, you know, they got into the latter decade, which was, you know, disco coming mm -hmm. out of soul. You know, and I remember specifically Lonnie Liston-Smith expansions being played in my house on a 45 and 
Many, many, many records. Jungle Fever, my mother broke over my head. <laughs> Dr. Love was another one of those records that she did not like. You know, she really? just, what is this shit with this Dr. Love, Dr. Love? <laughs> you know, and the Jungle Fever with the moaning and the groaning, mm. she thought it was disgusting. She thought it was, you know, it was perverse, you know, but that's the way things were. But, uh, you know, but I still kept listening, you know, sometimes away from her hearing uh, abilities uh-huh. and time went on and then uh, I got her to let me go out and it just slowly but surely she kept letting go more and more of her grip and I showed her that I could be responsible to be home at a certain time mm-hmm. and you know she agreed and then you know I went out with groups of people so she accepted that and then I remember the first time she saw me dance she couldn't believe it really yeah, we did a dance called The Hustle. It was very popular back in the 70s. You know, I just, I've never been a person just to do something to do it. I either do it well, or I'm not going to do it at all. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was not going to be staying, you know, behind with some of the people that just really didn't take something and make it their own and, you know, just really own it. I like to own things. I like to, you know. Now, see, that's that. the thing. That's that's where in all of that, I, you know, I know enough DJs. <laughs> and the thing that gets me is, when's that point where it switches from, I'm in the music, like, you know, you're out. Clearly, you've established that segment of the story, how you got to the place of finding your place. Were you one of those people that, because I've known all types, were you one of the ones who was like, I want to play because I want to be the one that makes people feel good like this, or one of the, man, I could do that, or somewhere in between. Because to make the leap from, clearly you were consuming the music at home, you had, you know, I mean, tell me that. For me, um, music has always been something that speaks to me, that moves me, either spiritually and and just physically, mentally. Mm And um, energy-wise, it just takes me to a certain place, makes me feel good. Sometimes it makes me feel sad, depending on what I'm listening to and what the occasion calls for. Um, I wasn't one of those people that was following a trend that, that, oh, it's so popular to be a DJ. No. First of all, I was a dancer first. Mm -hmm. So I knew what moved me on the floor, what set me off. And that's what I wanted to do for people because I loved music and I wanted to set them off. I wanted to be... If I could play music and be on the floor at the same time, that would be the ultimate. But obviously, you know. You can't play and dance at the same time. Not on the dance floor anyway. Just off and play it back. But the intensity of the moment is always what captures people because the energy changes from moment Mm -hmm. to moment. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to follow. And for me, I just like to move through music so that it touches you and it conveys a message, but yet it doesn't disturb the energy that you have around you. It kind of either kind of says, excuse me, I'm coming through, or it just wraps around you and says, you know, hello, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me love you. You know, it, it all depends. And it also depends on the people that are listening, how willing they are to open themselves up to emotion. Right. You know, because I can do my job but I can't, I can't tell somebody how to feel. Right. You can show a person, you can tell them the basics, the, the, the basics of what it is to play music or records, 
but you can't show somebody how to feel. You can't. Right. It just doesn't happen. Either you, and it's a timing thing. It's something you feel. It's something deep inside. When the first time I got to hear you play live, a set because I heard the mix sets, you know, previously like the um, archives and stuff. Because clearly I was a baby back when you were like out and about and we were not in the scene at the same time before you moved down here. But I know for me, listen, you pulled me in and I can't explain, you know, and I've said this to you, it was just something about one, watching the way you moved and maneuvered with it and it was so laid back. But it was, and I believe this, and again, we've talked about this, the energy that you bring to whatever you do, and I say this to all creative souls, what, it's, it's more about what you bring to it and then how you kind of use it as your paint in your canvas or whatever to tell the story or to connect with people. And I immediately felt, the, I felt connected within that first couple of minutes of listening. It was effortless for me to just stay and listen. And you took me home back to a time where there are people that I've been missing for 30 years. But it was just right. something about the way you approached it and what you were bringing to it. And then you basically confirmed it when we got to start to talk. And I was like, no, this guy is really coming from this energetic place. This is more than just, I'm playing to get people hyped. It's, it was, it's a whole, it's a whole spiritual and elevated thing. For me, it's not about the hype. For me, it's the journey. Right. For me, it's to try to develop a mood through music, pathways, sounds, um, the way uh, things are introduced, the energy behind it, the nuance, the ambience, you know, the near our field, how things are each other and, you know, in relation to what's going on, what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. So there's so many things involved that, you know, you got to let yourself be open so that it comes to you, it flows through you. That's why sometimes people say to me, oh, but you're not interacting and it's a live show. I says, because my job, what I'm supposed to do is entertain and serve music so that you guys get wrapped up in that and you feel as if I'm speaking to you personally. And I can't do that if I'm a social butterfly because I'm not paying mind to my inner thoughts or something that might come to me because I'm busy trying to be chatty, chatty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's why you guys are in the chat room so you can talk amongst yourselves and and comment. (laughs) I'm here to take you by the hand and show you a painting, show you a museum and show you Mm -hmm. a tapestry you know, hey, here, try this. Hey, here, try this. That's what I'm doing. I'm I'm weaving yes. something for you. You know, either it's needlepoint, crochet, knitting, whatever it is, I am making something so that you can visually have something in your mind, although it's not physical, but it's something that flows through you. Yeah. And I can't I can't be again two places at one time. No, well, you, 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 you do exactly that. Cause that's what it felt like for me. And as I was looking at other people's uh, commentary, that seemed to be the general feeling every time I've sat in on one of your online, your streams is that people are like, you know, oh my God, I'm feeling this, you know, and it's, they're taken someplace. But I mean, I've seen so right. many stories pop up in chat and then it's like, dude's wearing us out because you know, and I love how you do not get stuck in only what was was versus what is, and you do it seamlessly where you just, and that's what I'm saying, You to listen to you, it's very clear 
it's not about programming. It's about energy. It's about that vibe. It's about what you're conveying because you do that in a way that a lot of people are comfortable. I say, you know, the safety play. You don't play safe. You play from the heart, and that comes across like the ultimate. They're afraid to be. There's a lot of people that are afraid to show emotion because it's yeah. not who they are. It's not who they're supposed to be according to. You know, who they vulnerability is beautiful. That's what connects us, I think. But like they don't get us is what connects us. They don't get it. They don't get it. And they're too much of a this or too much of a that and too afraid to be vulnerable. With me, man, if I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it in period. I mean it's it's just who I am. It's part of me and I can't control that. Um sometimes I don't look as music, it, it kind of crosses back and forth for me like i tell people one thing that i want to touch on is that they tell me oh well you know you're known as a classic dj i says listen i said i can't help it that i was there when these records came out and they were so good and had so much staying power that they became classics when i played them there were new records just right. like the ones now right so nobody knew that they were going to stay around for 20 30 40 years why is that my why do I get stuck with that? You know, I play them because they mean something to me and, you know, and I play new stuff as well. Indeed. You know, it's about crossing back and forth because messages are messages. They never get old because there's certain things that always come back and come back and listen, stories, messages, love lost, love found, hate, sympathy, lust. You know Universal yes, feeling. years back, tomorrow, it's the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the same. So why should we categorize and label people? Oh, well, he's just a classic teacher. What does difference does it make? As long as I make you dance, as long as I make you happy, as long as I make you, you know, forget your troubles, even if it's for a little while. Yeah, and you do. You, know? you do. I know you have for me, and I thank you for that. Um, there's so much to get into with you because, you know, we could do a whole hour, two hours on talking about the music alone. And so I don't want to get stuck in that space because there's a lot of other really cool stuff going on with you. And I'm not too sure if people are fully aware. So I will just throw this out there and then, you know, you be back to a little bit more on music, but um, you throw down when it comes to uh, food. And just so that I'm letting the people know what they're hanging in for the rest of this interview for is, we're gonna get into some culinary goodness that you're also bringing that energy to with, um, which I personally feel like you should, I see what I see is you being possibly, you know, a whole lifestyle brand because you're just that fly. But we're talking about really approaching food, healthy living, good food, and a whole other approach to having good food in your life without it being a whole drama and trauma. And I, I'm sorry, was that, did I hear correctly at one point we were talking about cookbook? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna get back into that. I just wanted to plant that stake in the ground <laughs> before we go, because with the music thing again, and I don't like, you know, I love that you have that Again, like I told you, I think mean, I texted it to you also. I I call you the archivist, one of the music archivists that I've had the honor of getting to know along my journey. Um, 
there's stuff that you put me onto and you gave me tidbits that go back to the garage, the loft and being young and exploring music. I know for me coming up in the 90s, late 80s, 90s into the 2000s scene, the it's visceral. Give me one safe family, family rated visceral music moment for you from someplace. Kind of like, you don't have to give me the same um, little mini flashback as uh, the one from the loft, but if you have one of those little like flashback memory moments of a particular song that really kind of just took you into a whole other stratosphere and where you were when you heard it. Uh, when I first walked into the loft the first time, I walked in, first of all, I was astounded by the sound, by the balloons, the decorations, just the whole atmosphere. I had never been somewhere like that. It, it felt like a house party. Mm. You know, it just felt like a house party. So I walk in and I see David, you know, of course, you know, he looks like Jesus Christ <laughs> with the beard and the long hair and, and like the tie dye, looks very casual, you know, um, Birkenstock sandals, that whole, that whole look. And he's standing behind two gigantic turntables and records on either side of him, but they weren't record bins. They were more like dressers with these compartments on top that he got from an antique store. Mm. And then there were two large cathedral doors on either side of the booth that looked like they belonged to like a Gothic cathedral wow. with stained glass. So I walk in and I stand there for a second. I'm just looking around and he plays this record that I've had for a long time and I love, but I, it just didn't sound the same to me. It was so different. And it was uh, Cuba Gooding and the Euphrates River album the main ingredient, happiness, is just around the bend. And it's so funny that he plays this record because the message is like, wow, you know, don't worry. Happiness is just around the bend. There's something going on inside of my head. Mm. You know, there's, there's really something I feel, something unreal, you know? And though I see my world is upside down and there is nothing to fear, my vision is clear. So this was playing. And it, was it, was, it was like my world changed. Mm. You know, that was a changing moment for me. Wow. I remember like it was yesterday. listening to Vibes, Moods, and Moves, a new podcast where we never stop asking the real questions and we never stop having the real conversations. The main ingredient, Euphrates River, where happiness is just around the bend, the song that I told you that yeah. I first heard at the loft when I walked in. Yeah, that's deep. That was a powerful, powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Really, thank you. Um, Okay, we've done music. Now I want to get into, yeah, that's right. Show us some more of this, this fabulous background of yours. I can't with the records and the fact that I've seen the rest of the stuff. It's like all that painting behind me. That painting behind me was done by Kevin Aviance. Get out of here. 
Yeah, that's his wow. As a, you're like a friggin' encyclopedia. Every time I talk to you, there's like some other like little nugget of knowledge. And that's like, you know, but that's what this is all about. It's like, let's share, let's just share the, the share the wealth because everybody's walking around sitting on these little tidbits about people from the greater community. And there's so much more. And see that right there, I didn't know. Well, I mean, not like I would know, but I didn't know that Kevin, Kevin Aviance was like, you know, a painter too, you know, that did yeah. like a, beyond just for what is for the business. You know, I didn't know that. So I'm sure that some of the people watching will also have just gotten schooled on something. That's something, you know, for me to make a note of. Kat, let's make a note looking to Kevin Aviance's artwork. Anyway, <laughs> but thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's, that's called the little black boy. Okay. All right. I see you. Um, thank you. <laughs> Black lives matter. Okay, every day and all day. I'm trying not to get giddy and like go into like us just, you know, chopping it up on the phone mode because that could get really out of order really fast. So, um, okay. Now, the food. Yeah. I want to talk about this food situation. Now, I've said this before. One of the things that also we have in common is that we're both native New Yorkers who now live in the Sunshine State. And I personally feel that I know my eating habits have changed considerably because it is hot down here more than it is not. And um, I personally have found that that makes eating lighter, um, healthier, even having a lot more options as far as like produce and things, it helps. You've been on a whole entire journey, though. Yeah. And you have arrived in this new place where, you know, I call it the, you know, absolute metamorphosis effect. And food and a complete lifestyle change all play into that. And from that, you're working on a cookbook. Let's go from point A to point B on this 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 blossoming that has taken effect and how you're going to be helping the rest of us get it together when it comes to everything from our food prep to just like laid out food and not going crazy while we try to eat right and eat fabulous. Well, it all started because um, I'm categorized as an emotional eater. In other words, when I have stress and I have problems, Mm. I would turn to food for comfort. And this went on for years and years and years and up and down and up and down. And, you know, it got to the point then when my mom got very sick, I was taking care of her. She was bed bound. Eight years went by Mm. and I just felt sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was tired of the way people treated me. I was tired of the way people looked at me and not so much. That's not the most important thing is how I felt about myself. I mean, I, I... I avoided mirrors. I didn't Mm. want to see myself. So I was feeling a little bit of self-hate because I wasn't happy. And then my mom passed away. And before she passed away, I had decided to go on a journey. As per her request of my grandmothers, they kept telling me, please take care of yourself. So I decided to start. And a month I had surgery, bariatric surgery, a month I had December 13th, I had bariatric surgery. My mother passed away a month and a week after that. Mm. So 
I had started my journey. I had started to get on a bike, ride biking 10 miles in the morning, 10 miles in the evening. I started eating right. Um, I just turned it around. I started caring about myself, caring about life, caring about what went into my body. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, you know, diabetic, type 2 diabetic, had high blood pressure, sleep mm-hmm. apnea, my knees hurt, my back hurt, my life stunk as far as health was concerned. Then I was consuming a lot of different medicines to cope with uh, everything I was going through. So I said, enough. So I had the surgery. Um, I waited a year and a half after the surgery. I lost a total of 180 pounds. My goodness, wow, congrats. And I turned it around. I became, you know, I became about me. I I started being a little more selfish and taking care of me. Self-care, you know how I feel, self-care. Because if there's no you, there's nobody else, especially when they depend on you. Your mind is the last thing to catch up because you could have a very small stomach and a small appetite, but your brain still hasn't caught up to what's going on. And it keeps telling you, eat, 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 eat. Mm. So I dealt with all of this for a year and a half. I just finished having reconstructive abdominal core surgery, a penicolectomy and a tummy tuck, which took off all the excess that I had to kind of reshape my midsection after the weight loss. And that's where I am today. And uh, I'm just recovering barely. This is my sixth week of recovery. I'm going to do a full eight weeks. Mm -hmm. But I start playing music again. I'm happy. I haven't felt this good and this healthy since my 30s. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to be 56. On next Thursday, I'll be 56. Yeah, we're going to get into how you're celebrating. We're going to get all into how you're celebrating after we talk about this food, man. I celebrate every day. You know, I don't eat a lot. I eat very little portions a couple times a day. And food is not that important to me in the in the way, let me explain. Um, it's important nutrition-wise what I put in my body, but it's not the focus of my day that I am like obsessing over food and stuffing my face. It's mm-hmm. not about that. Anymore. It's about feeding the body, giving my body the fuel that it needs to do what it needs to do and carrying through the day. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I'm into now, nutrition, food. You know, I'm trying to work towards vegetarianism because I still eat fish and eggs and things like that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's a step in the right direction for me. It's not for everybody. Right. Everybody has a different path. Everybody has a different way of doing things and whatever works for you. It's great. This works for me. Right. And that's where I am. You know, that's the thing. It's like, um, when you mentioned the taking care of yourself, making yourself priority, you know, that's something that on the previous, you know, the solo let's chat, I go hard for self-care because, uh, you know, we've all, this is so relatable, you know, and I remember when you were um, talking about going through the surgery and I said, yeah, I, ha- I, I knew a couple people have been through this journey. And that's one of the conversations that in supporting folks, I find this come up is it's not about the food itself. It's about all the other stuff that makes you want to eat the stuff that it's the safety the comfort the the self-medicating in that sense and i find that so relatable and that's why i appreciate you being open about it because that's real you know everybody's got something and yeah even if i can help one person yeah i mean the thing is i think a lot of people get so stuck on what they look like that they forget there's work on self that we need to be doing on us, you know, the world world will do it to you. A good friend of mine named Carla, mm-hmm. that I know for more than 40 years, told me this and I'll never forget. She said, 
everybody's fucked up in one Basically. way or another. Mm-hmm. The first step is admitting to yourself that you're fucked up. Yep. Yep. It's just truth. I mean, nobody's perfect. Everybody has something. They have good qualities and they have things that they're not happy about. And the, the more you you face up to it and admit to it and you know take responsibility, the better it will be. Because in this whole thing, Black Lives Matter, right? Mm. <clears throat> I understand the point and I agree with it. But as a person of color, I've gotten slack from my own people of color against mm. me that I'm a person of color. So we have to work on the interior of our society if we want people from the exterior to see the example that we love ourselves and love our communities and love each other and that we don't stand for that. Because what good is it if somebody, a light-skinned person of color has difficulties and gets a hard time from a dark-skinned person of color? We're all of color. What difference does it make? Let's help each other. We got to do self-work. You have to do the self-work. You so start from the inner. Self and community, it all still comes down to call it out. Because like you said, whether it's about you or we're talking about community, if we don't identify what's not right, what's damaged, what's broken, what's sick, what needs healing, what needs fixing, what needs to be taken out and gotten rid of, we're bound to keep repeating the same mistakes. We're never going to see change. It's like the song says, Dr. John, I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. (laughs) You know? It's true. It's true. You can't, listen, some people get it before, some people get it after. Nothing's perfect. But that being said, you got to remember that um, I can, you know, I can point you in the right direction. But if you don't want to take that way, I can't force you, you know? Well, I want you to I want you to point me in the right direction with some uh, you know some alternative ways to throw down in the kitchen because I've already you know we've done a lot of food changes with how we do, but you were telling me about one of the things that was what were you talking about with the chicken as an example, right? And how you can set that up at the top of the week and how you you utilize it all the way down to the bone broth just so people can get a little bit of an idea of, we're not just talking about, oh, Victor's gonna like give you recipes and say, here, go make this. But really this is like about food management, if that's the word, yeah. and as well as making enjoyable things to eat. Well, I'm working on a, working on an online cookbook, but it's not only a cookbook, it's, it's, a, it's a way to make efficient the way you eat and the time that you have, depending on the workload in your family especially if you're a single parent or just a parent that has very little time, but you still want to get nutrition. So what you do is you have one recipe, let's say it's uh, roast chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay. The first day you have roast chicken, let's say you make rice and beans. That's the first day. There's chicken left over. If you make two chickens, there's chicken left over. The second day that roast chicken, you can take it and cut it up and put it over salad. So it's chicken salad. Mm-hmm over salad the third day you can make another chicken salad with like celery tomatoes carrots a little bit of mayo mustard a little bit of olive oil and put it on a on a wrap on lettuce lettuce wraps Mm -hmm. the fourth day you know the bones that are left you can simmer and make like a bone broth for like uh the base of a soup Mm -hmm. you know i use the the cuttings of the little bit of shredded chicken that's left 
to put into the soup with some carrots, celery. You know, it's, it's so mm. easy. It's just you are as limited as the walls that you put up in front of you. In other words, you say, oh, well, you know, I don't like to cook. It's difficult. When you have a good basic mm-hmm. for anything, for dancing, for music, for studio work, for cooking, for organization, for cleaning, when you're organized, that's half the battle. Mm-hmm. You have to sit down and think. And sometimes people need to write things out because that they're that type of person. They need it, you know? And that's what I do. That's my concept, you know? And if you don't eat chicken, if you're a vegetarian, you could use that concept for any food item, any, any food item. You could use that concept, whether it be beef, chicken, shrimp, seafood, vegetables, tofu, tempeh, mm. anything. You know, as another thing was, this is what I wanted to ask also, is, okay, so you found this this new groove and everything. I know you had to have grown up eating some serious, serious, slamming, yummy, tasty, good, good food. Favorite yeah. dish that you still make today, any modifications to it that you've had to make? Oh, yeah. Fit where you are now. Because I think people get stuck on that too sometimes. I can't have, I can't. It's like you can, just got to be a little creative. So what's one of your favorite dishes that you've had to do that with? There's there's two. Okay. And it's, it's, one of them is very peasant food from from a beach town. My mother grew up, Mm -hmm. daughter of a fisherman, Mm -hmm. daughter of a housewife. And um, my grandfather would fish and he would get cod. So, you know, the dry cod, they would put in water, they would desalt it, they would shred it. They would take root vegetables, boiled eggs, root vegetables, tomatoes, avocado, which was prevalent in Puerto mm. Rico, mm-hmm. and red onions. And they would slice all of that, put it on a platter, drizzle olive oil all over it, mm. and a little bit of uh, seasoning, you know, pepper, just a pinch, and you don't even need that. And that was a whole meal. Mm. I still eat that today in the summers because it's fresh, it's easy to cook. Mm. But since I don't eat carbs, I don't eat the root vegetables. What I do is I leave the avocado, the onion, the tomato, mm. and the olives. Mm. And I do that. Still sounds That's what I put into it. So I cut out the root vegetables, but you can still get more or less the same feel. You know, increase the avocado because the fat in avocado is really good. Mm. And what was the other one? The other one is something my mother used to make for me. It's called, you know, you've heard of fish escovich? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. She used to make chicken escovich for me. What she would do is she would fry chicken really, 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 really crispy, mm-hmm. set it aside in a separate pan. She would saute red onions, peppers, mm. olives, tomato sauce, a couple of splashes of Tabasco, a pinch of vinegar and tomato sauce and she would simmer that until everything became translucent and soft mm-hmm. she would put the chicken and garlic sorry garlic she would put the chicken that was fried in that and let it simmer in the sauce and then she would turn off the fire and just let it steep with with white rice next to it and sweet plants and mm-hmm. still that was the that was the showcase meal for me at culinary school when we did the restaurant simulation ah that sounds so good from a long line of really exceptional cooks my mother mm. my grandmother my great-grandmother you know so now what did you what did you alter 
to that recipe? What did you sub out? Because I know the rice has to go. I don't fry the chicken. Right. And um, I use more breast mm -hmm. and debone the thighs and I remove the skin and I bake it. Mm. Like I broil the chicken okay. and then I put in the sauce as opposed to frying the chicken. Right. You know, yeah, you, you cut at least 500 calories from the whole meal. And you still and you still get your all the flavors, yeah. And everything because the olive oil. Remember, you're just heating the olive oil, and not really you're not really frying in it, so you don't right. destroy the properties of the olive oil. Right. And that's that's where it is. And then I eat that with either quinoa, something light, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't eat pasta or any of that, and I don't like the consistency of chickpea pasta or all that other stuff. It's either the real stuff or nothing. I, I I'm not gonna support the habit of not eating something by supporting it with something that's similar to it because then you're just going around in circles. Then probably end up right back at the main one because that's what happened. I, I tried to get like the whole wheat, um, different brands, a whole wheat uh, spaghetti or, you know, fettuccine and things like that. And I just didn't like them. I found that sometimes they were a little too coarse. And so it was just like, I'll still make it. I just don't make as much. You know, and I've just been like more portion control with it and not having pasta as frequently. And we do a lot of quinoa too, a lot of quinoa. And if I absolutely, because, you know, my mother's people are, are well, both my parents live in the South, but my mother's people are Geechee. And my great grandfather also was a fisherman. So there was a lot of fish and rice. And so a lot of like home dishes that she likes to make and things that I've learned to make require, you know, rice. We sub out with a brown rice. We'll do a brown rice and kind of, and it takes the edge off, but you know, it's the whole subbing out with pastas and things like that. I tried it. I said, I'd rather just, I'll own my pasta fix in a tiny portion. I'm not where you are yet with it. You can control it. It's fine. But you know, you don't, um, it's like me. I'm saying there's these people that are vegan, mm -hmm. but they take something vegan and they try to make it taste like something that's meat, but if it's so bad for you, why would you take something that's good for you and try to make it taste like something that's bad for you? Isn't <laughs> that like kind of defeating the purpose? It's a little head trip. I don't know. I try, I... It's, defeating, it's supporting a bad habit, basically. You're saying that this is bad for you, but yeah, but you get good ingredients that's good for you to try to take it, make it taste like the bad stuff. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like if you're going to kick it, kick it. Yeah. If you're going to just kick it, kick it. Just leave it alone. Exactly. Not even simulate, not no simulations, no simulations. It's just like, <laughs> Victor is anti-simulated food. <laughs> like, let's be pure. No, 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 no. Yeah. I love this. I love this. Um, you know, I, we could go on and on. I want to make sure we cover a couple of other things though. First of all, so we know the food is going to be on lockdown. You already, first of all, not for nothing. You already know you're coming back through. That's a given. You're gonna be back. So I don't. I'm not. I'm trying to tell myself, don't freak out about the 50 million things you can't ask today. But um, this is another one of my little novelty questions. I know for me personally, one of the things I'm looking forward to once we are further out from all of what's going on now with people being able to go visit and what have you is I'm looking forward to hopping in the car, heading down the I-95 to your house to eat and hang out. And I'm pretty sure by that time, you're gonna be ready to throw something, throw an event or a gathering. Now, let's say we were doing this, you know, for your birthday. 
I want to know what's the record that would set the mood and what would be the main course. I need to mentally start getting into this, this hang out with Victor well, mode. When you say main course, it depicts more like a sit down dinner, but what you're doing when you're doing an event where you have many different types of people, mm -hmm. what I like to do is take it to consideration. There are some people that are vegetarian. There's some people that don't eat pork. There's some people that don't eat meat. There's some people that eat only chicken. So what I do is I make a, I make like roast chicken, right? And then I'll make something vegetarian, like a, like a marinated tofu salad. Mm. And then when I make rice and beans, I'll make the rice and beans, but I won't use any animal product in it. So it's considered vegetarian. Okay. So the person, it'll still have the flavor, like if it had meat product in it or smoked in it. So the person that eats meat won't mind because it still tastes very similar to when it had meat. And the mm -hmm. person that's vegetarian can eat it safely because it has no animal product. Right. So I cross over like that. Then I'll do like potato salad. I'll do instead of having mayo that has animal product, I'll make it with olive oil. You know, like that. Very light dressing, olive oil, no mayo because there's people that don't. And mayo, spo mayo spoils it, yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then I'll do um, a lot of crudite with like hummus mm. and different dipping sauces, you know, finger foods. And then I'll do, you know, pork shoulder because people expect that, but I'll keep it separate. Like, I'll keep that on the stove so it's away from everything else, mm -hmm. you know. And then I'll do like falafel, which is vegetarian, mm. which goes with the hummus, which is already a dipping sauce and it's on the table. So it'll complement it. And the crudite mm -hmm. could go with the hummus because it's usually served like that. And then I'll have pita bread on the table for the dips and the hummus anyway. So it'll go with the falafel. Mm -hmm. So you see, there's a lot of different combinations that kind of interact with each other on the same table, mm -hmm. you know, and then people come and it's a BYOB. So they bring their own alcohol because I can't afford to buy alcohol <laughs> for 200 people, especially the way people drink. Mm -hmm. And number three, they bring a dish if they feel that they want to share something. Mm. So you know, they bring whatever they bring. Sometimes they'll bring like little pastries, things like that. But you know, I always ask them, please have a card stating what the ingredient is on there so that that way people that are having it that don't eat certain things know right. what's in it. It's like food allergies and yeah, you don't violate somebody, yeah. you know. And that's how I do. My next question is: I want to know what the record and the the, the the main theme record that's setting our tone for this this uh, gathering is. House party, Fred Wesley. All right. <laughs> to the point. Not, it doesn't get any more like to the point. <laughs> I love it. Go. I love that. I have had such a good time chatting with you. I know, like I said, there's so much more we could talk about. And it's like almost like I wish I, you know, could have recorded some of our offline conversations, but then they wouldn't have been offline conversations. I'm excited to see what's coming with the cookbook. I'm excited to see what's coming with you playing more as you can, as you wrap up recovering. You know, again, continued speedy, thorough, happy, comfortable, God comfortable feeling. You know how I always say energy doesn't know time, space, or the medium that we connect. So right. I'm excited about the energy that you're going to be pulling together from all these different types of people just coming together and having a good time. And of course, you spinning us through 
just like you said, life, joy, love, happiness, goodness, all the things that you make me feel. I am so humbled to have this time with you. I thank you for extending back the hand and heart of friendship. And I just, you know, I'm excited. And I'm also geeked to have you on here again. Cause this is like so like the beginning. Victor, this is like, this is the beginning. Like I'm gagging right now. I'm just like. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We're do it again. Oh, we're absolutely. Oh, we're absolutely doing it again. Um, I'm gonna make sure we have all the contact links. Um, tell the people where they can get you on social media. What are your um, handles? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, DJ Victor Rosado. I'm on Facebook, Victor Rosado. No, no handles, no nothing. I think <laughs> my given name is good enough to represent. There you go. Got that? And Anything else? It, no, just uh, friend me. Send me a friend's request. Tell me, you know, what it is that uh, you saw, what you're curious about, questions, anything. Thank you. I yep. sincerely thank you for taking this time to spend with us here on Vibes, Moods, and Moves. So till next time, please take care of yourselves, be good to yourselves so that you can continue to reach into other people's worlds and be good to them. Till next time, peace, love, God bless, much love and light always. Till next time, bye. Take care, bye-bye. And we are done.